cliffcentral.com We're going to cry, laugh, and love. And we're going to do it together. The Life with Libang podcast. Hey, hey, y'all. How's it going? How you feeling? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Life with Lebang. My name is Lebang Khosana, and if you are tuned in right now, it is courtesy of cliffcentral.com. It's so nice to be back in my seat. I love to be here with you every week, as you know, bringing you nothing but crisp entertainment and edutainment. Edutainment is like edutainment. It's education plus information. So it's receiving the good news, but like, you know, in a nice, fun way. But today I'm going to do something a tiny, tad, tad, tad bit different. I'm going to speak about something that has been bothering me. And you know, I don't like to bring problems to you without solutions. My whole aim in life is to bring the solves so that we can grow and be better people. So there's something that has just been upsetting me, bothering me, and really confusing me about what's going on in society. And it is an age-old conversation. It won't be the first time that the conversation of, or the topic rather, of cheating is brought up. It's, you know, cheating came here before we were born. So it's it's nothing new. But what's bothering me about it is almost the normality. It seems like we're normalizing something that is wrong in my eyes anyway. And it's upsetting because there's a lot of young people out there who are, crazy in love with their partners and find themselves in situations that unfortunately leave them hurt because that said partner did something to hurt them. But then there's another layer where there's women who are so okay with being in relationships with married men. Now this one particularly like, just like, Oh, it's like someone took a cigarette and just like put it on my skin and said, you know, it, it hurt me because I was like, one, this person speak on a public platform. This is social media that I'm talking about. You're speaking on a public platform and you are explaining why you are happily engaged in this relationship to a married man. And not only that, you're almost normalizing it. You're speaking about it like it is okay. Now, how many people are going to see those things? I mean, it's a public platform. There's lots of young girls and young guys out there who are exposed to this. So probably going, oh, okay, so this is normal. Okay, cool. Then it's fine. I personally believe that it is not normal. These are my thoughts. These are my views. And these are my opinions. And I think a lot of people get hurt in the process of these things. And how I know is because I grew up in this kind of household where my mother got hurt by this very thing. And I, I just don't want more and more people to experience it. So I thought to myself, let us speak to the professionals. Let us speak to the people that really have studied this, that live and breathe this, that this is their lives, that can really touch on it in a more uh, scientific way, you know, in like the more stats than emotions. Because I'm just coming from an emotional angle, like, oh, I hate this. But we're going to introduce you to somebody who can speak on it from a far more credible uh, angle. And um, I'm excited to chat to him because he can unpack this for us in ways that I know that I can't. And again, my hope is that after we've had this conversation, we'll have a clearer understanding of why people engage in these sorts of things without judging them, but also just finding the solves. And okay, if we find ourselves in these situations, how do we deal with it? 
And so let me get straight into it. I'm, I'm not in the studio by myself. You know, I never am because I'm a people's person. I got to bring the people to you. I am sitting with a fine young gentleman by the name of Louis Fenta. He's a relationship coach, a therapist based in Johannesburg. And his background is insane. He's got a background in theology, psychology, psychotherapy, imago, and encounter-centered relationship therapies. This is stunning. His passion is relationship transformation, which I think is amazing. And through couples therapy sessions, whether it's in-person, online, group workshop, etc., Louis' areas of expertise include relationship restoration, affair trauma, sex therapy, and Premarital counseling. Now, these are all nice, big, fancy words, which I'm sure we've all heard of at one or other point in our lives. But Louis, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to Life with Lebang. How are you? I am well, and thank you for having me. It's so lovely to be invited to chat about uh, infidelity and cheating. Absolutely, absolutely. Louis, we are in a time now where infidelity is spoken about a lot more often. Or maybe it's always been spoken about, but we weren't privy to the information and we're seeing a lot more public couples, um, their information and their, their laundry is being out to air. Like we know too much and we've got access to too many people's, um, personal affairs. So I don't want to say it's a new thing. I will just say that it's been happening. So just that now that we can see it all occurring and without judgment, I'm just going to ask you straight out of, you know, straight from the top. Like why do people consider infidelity in a marriage? You know what a broad question that is, that more than ever we know that um, infidelity is quite a complex um, issue, that many years ago we said, no, people who are unhappily married cheats, or someone who wants to have more sex cheats, but it's much more complex than that. So if you read and you study infidelity today, we say um, more than ever that it's a, a very interesting personality development and search for meaning in individuals' lives. Do you know, Lebang, that... Most couples who are happily married cheats. Uh, I, I, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's why infidelity is such a shock to the partner. Go like, we're so happy, and why did this happen? So for the last five, seven years, we discovered that um, infidelity has got something to do with the individual more than with the couple. And that's why couples who are happily married can also have infidelity. So it's much more complex than just, I'm unhappily married. It's something with the individual and that we can unpack, I think. Today. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is exactly why you're here because I do want us to unpack the psychological element of it. Whereas right now, if you think about cheating, someone just thinks, Oh, um, why didn't that person just leave me instead of cheat on me? Mm-hmm. Chances are you're still happy. You probably do have a partner who loves you, but they are still capable of cheating on you. It doesn't mean that they don't love you less or that they, and that's the, that's the scary part about it. So please, can you make me and my listeners understand how someone can still be happy, but still cheat on you? And also if you're saying it's because of a personality trait or whatever, what are some of the examples that you can give us for the kinds of people that you've experienced with regards to this matter? Exactly. That's why it's a, it's such a big trauma because um, I still love you, but I cheat on you and it was never my intention to leave you. And that's why, that's why it's oh. so traumatic. So oh, if, it I can't. Just, if it was just as simple as I don't love you anymore and I'm leaving you, but it's not. Some people who discover if they find out from their partner, they say, I don't want to leave you. Exactly. I never wanted to leave. Exactly. And then the big question, but why did this happen? I just wanted my cake and I wanted to eat it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, Lebang, our deepest need is to be desired for all of us. 
from a very young age we want to be desired. And our memory is that um, very early infant adoration from the mother who says, I see you, I love you, and I adore you. And we make up a story that one day we'll find that again with someone. And that's the lovely thing about falling in love. What happens in falling in love is someone sees us as we don't see ourselves. You know, all of us have this... Sure. All of us have this uh, inner voices. I'm not good enough. Um, yeah, I'm not good enough. I'm not beautiful enough. We have these this inner shame. And then someone shows up and they desire us. And through their desire, we reconnect with the part of ourselves we've lost many years ago. The part that believes that we're beautiful and we're competent. And that's what's so lovely about falling in love. And why desire so high in falling in love is because I don't have you, but I want you. Mm. Therefore, I need to make love to you. Mm. I need to desire you mm. such a alive place but this is where the paradox happens so we want desire but eventually we also want safety yeah i want i want it to be permanent yeah and now what we know from research is the moment couples commit so the desire phase can reach can, can, can carry on for 16 years but the moment the couple say i do or this thing is permanent or they move in or they fall pregnant a couple shift from the desire phase to the safety phase. Ugh. And what we experience then is security, stability, consistency, mm. and not desire anymore. How do we like keep it in a bit of desire but still like But that's safe. a skill. We yeah. never knew this. We never knew that when we when we commit, we made this trade-off neurobiologically. We exactly, exactly. Now that we know it, that's mm. what we do through counseling, is teaching couples how to balance those. Mm. Um, it's just something, you cannot stop it. It, it happens. Mm. Because we want to feel safe. We want to have kids. Mm. Then desire goes away. Think about it. Um, if me and you date, mm. I don't see you every day, but I want to see you every day. Mm. Now that we commit, I see you every now day. Now you see me, you've got what you want. I'm so, in your face every so day. It's, 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 it's consistent. Mm. It's safe. It's mm. nice. But you can't desire me the way you desired me in the beginning. Mm. So what happens is, although I feel safe with you, I've moved back into that all desire of, of, of me to find outer validation. Yes. And outer confirmation. Yes. Um, that I'm good, that I'm... And that's how affairs happens. We seek for 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 those parts of ourselves that, that we cannot um, bring into fulfillment in real life. Mm. So although you love me, I don't know if you like me. Oh man, that is so sad. Like it sounds very sad, yeah. but I'm sure in the work that you've done, you have found ways to sort of assist partners and couples to get to that place. Right? Yeah. Well, that's part of the journey, but I think that the very important part for couples is to understand, to understand the theory of, of affairs. If you come into a therapy session saying, I had an affair because I'm happy with you or we don't have enough sex, I'll never move you. You need to understand the deep neurobiological movement of why you've done that. And that's part mm. of the beautiful work we do. Yeah. It's like um the guy who became a dad. Yeah. And because he's a dad now he 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 he, he snipped his sexual wings and mm. his desire because he needs to be safe. Mm. And he believes he cannot be that young guy anymore mm. with that family. Mm. And then co creates a life outside of that to reconnect with a part of that aliveness. Exactly. Or the woman who become a mom. Mm. She's giving a life for the for the children. She's the mother. She's safe. She's predictable. Mm. Sure. But then there's a part of her that desires to be to be young and free. to be wanted. But she yeah. believes that cannot exist in the current relationship. So she needs to do that with someone elsewhere outside of that. Yeah. And that person don't see the mother. They see the woman. Exactly. And then she reconnects with the part of herself through the eyes of someone else. Oh, this so, is so deep. So infidelity. Infidelity is. I don't fall in love with another person. I fall in part of a. I fall in part of the. With a, I fall in love with a part of myself through the eyes of another person. Through the eyes of another person. 
That makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Louis, would you say that cheating is a deal breaker? Because a lot of the times when we look at the public outcry, when uh, a couple has, you know, has unfortunately been put in the forefront and we all know what they've been up to. And most people generally just say, oh, well, that person cheated. Well, that's the end of that relationship. You said something very interesting to me now, now off air that there's a lot of couples that have survived cheating, like mm-hmm. it's infidelity, like it, it happens. And there's a 99% success rate. That is mind blowing. Yeah, they work at it. If it was a deal breaker, infidelity wasn't trauma. It would have ah. been, you cheat on me, I leave you. It's easy. But I love the person who cheated on me. Mm. That's the complexity of intimacy. Yeah. If I can just leave you, but I can't because there's a part of me that loves you. Uh. And that's part of the trauma. That's the trauma gap. I want to leave. I want to, but I love you. You know, people a lot of times talks about codependency. I don't really believe in codependency. Codependency exists because we love the people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And it's not, it's not as simple as to walk away. So what happens is, what we, what I see happening in, in my office is that, um, affairs actually becomes a deep place of transformation for couples. It's as if couples fall in love and they commit and then they move into autopilot and coping. Sure. Not then, coping. Yo, Louis, coping makes it sound like it's like systematic. Like most couples live in coping. There's exactly. very few couples out there who gets it right to cultivate intimacy on a daily basis. Oh my Show word. up as two alive people. Mm. They live life, they earn money, they raise kids and they cope and they accept a little bit they have. Oh man, that's sad. That's the reality. Mm. That's the reality. Mm. Most couples cope. <laughs> okay. But, but what I want to come back to is, um, what was my previous thought? I was just saying that, um, oh, when couples have experienced the trauma of infidelity, yes. it can become a trampoline that propels them into new awakening. Okay. Through affair, both people discover things about themselves they never knew. So would you encourage affair in some No, case? not at all. <laughs> it is the most painful experience. There's better ways of self-discovery than sure. having an affair. 100%. Yes, I'm not encouraging it at all. Yeah. But it can help couples to... To create new relationships, yes, build new, yes, new understandings of self and yes. you and us. Mm. I get that. I get that, Lou. I want to talk a little bit about the different types of infidelity, right? Because it's not all the same. I mean, the most common one is, oh, you cheated on me and you had sex with someone else. But then there's the emotional infidelity, which some would say is even more hurtful, because being emotionally available to your partner is. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big thing. And being that vulnerable for another person is, it takes a lot and you're committing to this person on this level. But allowing another person into that side of yourself as well, that kind of sucks even more because it's like, I might be in love with someone else. Mm. Now, is it true that emotional infidelity is more painful than others? Yeah, I think we should, we should ask them what is infidelity? Now, infidelity yeah. happens where a couple agrees to exclusivity. And exclusivity has got two parts to it. Emotional exclusivity and physical exclusivity. Yes. And for the safety and existence of a relationship, both are equally important. Yeah. So, but interestingly enough, you said we're used to the physical cheating. I believe today there's much more emotional cheating and infidelity than the physical part of it. Yeah. And emotional cheating is just um, allowing someone else into into the eye, into me. Yeah. Connect. My soul. And who I give my most Mm. alive energy to. Um, and that's why it happens at work most of the times. You know, someone who sees me every day, someone who sees me at my best in my competency. 
Um, yeah, so, and that happens today. I can be next to you in bed and have an affair with someone else. Yeah. Through WhatsApp and multimedia <sighs> and all of that. So that happens, and it's much more easier to do that. And there's boundaries in place. And there's, so we, we transport ourselves to this mystical world of the imagined kiss, the imagined sex, the imagined mm. And that's much more powerful mm. than actually having it. Exactly, because once you've had it, it's done, you've experienced yes. it. But if you haven't experienced it, it's just in your imagination. And it keeps the romantic play alive. Exactly. So I wish I can kiss you, now I wish I can kiss you. Mm. Now I wish I can kiss you. It was so lovely to kiss you. Mm. Someone dreaming of you and desiring you in that way, it's such a powerful thing. Mm. And then we go back to life, feeding the kids and watching the TV and catching up on Mivongo and just doing our thing. Hesh, not Mivongo. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, how does how does infidelity uh, impact differently, like between men and women? I'm sure there's a massive difference, and I'm going to say this as politically and re- as relationshiply correctly as possible. But is it true that women experience infidelity more than men? So what I'm giving you is not scientific research; it's my experience from sure. from my 14 years of working with this. Sure. There's a difference for me. So for women, what I see happens with women, um, they struggle to cope with it because it's a safety thing. Um, it's a betrayal thing. Um, but somehow they're able to move on. Okay. The success rate of, of surviving infidelity. Yeah. yeah. Where men, when they experience infidelity, yeah. it's jealousy, it's rejection, it's abandonment. And they struggle much more to get over it than women. Um, in my experience, um, yeah, maybe it's the male ego. Mm. Um, I don't know, if but it's not scientific. It's not scientific. It's just your fourteen whole years of experience in this thing, Louis. If we're to look at the bigger picture and the impact that media has on individuals at growing up, so the first thing you said was that if you partake in Infidelity, blah blah blah. It's a trauma and it's a person it's a personal thing. It's not a couple's thing, it's a you thing. If it's a me facing thing, what if I grow up in a household where I'll give you two examples. The first example is my parents are together just for the sake of that, you know, they've got kids together. Mom and mom has her own relationship with whoever, dad has his own relationship with whoever, and it's clear to me as a child that these people are not in love and they are, as you say, coping. Second example is um, the things that I'm exposed to as a child. Now worse because with social media and the conversations that happen and, um, you know, just the things that we see, the young kids, especially the things that they see, how do those two separate examples impact me as I become an adult and I'm in a committed relationship? Is this part of the traumas? Is this automatically going to be a thing that I reject as a result or am I more prone to go into it as a result? So while you ask me that question, nine things came up for me. Nine? So, only? So, yeah. Only nine? Okay. So you need to make your answer shorter. <laughs> very, very cool question. So a few things came up for me. The one is you need to remember that um, it's not what happens to us that determines the path, but how we interpret it. Amen. So some kids grew up in a house and they in a loveless house and they decide, well, um, I don't want to have that. And the other kid doesn't. So for me, that's not a fact. It's more like each of us choose. Our it's part. a choice. Yeah. So you get kids who have infidelity. who didn't have infidelity in childhood and kids who had infidelity who doesn't have infidelity in, in adulthood. That's the one part. 
for me. Cool. Okay. The other part is you, what your childhood does contribute to is your relationship competency. And that's a big part. If you grew up in a house where there wasn't love and intimacy shown to you, you probably don't have the competency to be an mm. adult competent loving partner. Sure. So you sure. will struggle with relationship and because you struggle with relationship, you're more prone to have infidelity because you would be unhappily married and an unhappy person. So I rather work with relationship incompetency. Cool. Because of what I experienced in childhood. Sure. Sure. And the last thing that comes up for me is the culture. So I think what the culture does is more than ever people today don't get married for security and safety. For the first time in our history, we're getting married for happiness and personal fulfillment. Mm. For that reason, we are much more intolerant to pain Mm. because it's about my happiness. Yes. In the past, if you got divorced… It was shameful. Someone would say to you, Yes. No, you can't get divorced, man. Yeah. Promised, now staying married, if you're unhappy, that's shame. Mm. You would say to you, Hey, girl, you have your own voice. Move mm. on, do your mm. thing. So people are, are much less intolerant to pain. So instead of working through it and, and developing the skills, they will check out and they will have infidelity and they will, they will move out. So the culture plays a role. Yeah. Individual happiness. Yes, I get that. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Thank you, Louis. Surviving infidelity. Now, as I said, this one just kind of blew my mind just because um, it almost just seems unreal. Well, personally, I've never had to. Like every partner that's cheated on me, I've just left because I'm like, oh, well, if you're going to do it once, you can clearly do it again. Mm. And I guess I'm lucky in that, you know, I've, I guess I've never been in the situation where I've loved someone enough to stick around or that codependency or whatever you're speaking of. How does someone decide to stay with a partner who has cheated on them? It all depends on the type of infidelity. Okay. If, if my partner, cheats on me and there's a, a end to the affair and a commitment to move back to safety and a commitment to understanding and a commitment to rebuilding the relationship that's a different path mm. if I catch my partner with infidelity they're still lying about what happened they're still whatsapping that's a different path hey whatsapp <laughs> yeah, yeah whatsapp facebook all of them fiber all of fiber, what do they call that I don't even know um, it all depends on so but, but if there's infidelity where partner says listen here this thing happened. I don't want to lose you. I'm committed to the process. Let's make sense of it for myself. Let's make sense of it for the couple. And I want to. I want to move back. To, I want to move back mm. in this relationship. Mm. This how it ended. I built new boundaries. I'm mm. committed to exclusivity. Mm. Then they make it. The hard part of trauma is when I found out my partner's cheating. They're not admitting to it. I need to yeah. be an advocate or a mm. or a um, investigator or a. Mm. Or they say it's over and it's not over. That's the trauma that hurts mm. because it's continuous. It's secretive. It's betrayal. It's betrayal. Yeah. If they would just say to me, this thing is happening and I can make a decision. Yes. So the big part of infidelity trauma is not that it happened, but that I believe it's over and it's not over. And it's not partners over. Partners they want to work on, but they're not working on. Yes. Yeah. Oof. But when partners do it, they get through it. They get through it. They get through it. I love I love. It becomes that. part of their story. Yes. It becomes, a, becomes one of the chapters in their story. Exactly. Uh, it's nice to know that couples have successfully, and as you said, 99% success rate. Who steps into the process. Who steps into the process, have gotten through this. Because that should be the light at the end of the tunnel. It shouldn't just end there. And I guess you're right. As hard as it it seems, you know, if your partner is committed to fixing this and to building and to growing again, you can get to that place. And that's, I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah, and when you sit in my office, you'll pick up the difference. If someone says, mm. I cheated because you're not giving me enough sex, or I cheated because you're a bad wife, or someone saying, I don't know why I cheated. I want to find out. It's got nothing to do. It's me. Yes. It's not you. It's me. Mm. 
please mm. go on a journey with me to mm. discover this. Mm. And I'm willing to. That's a different story. Exactly. Exactly. Sure. That's so beautiful. Louis, you know, I, there's so many things I want to touch on. I want to touch on, you know, the spiritual aspect of cheating because that's also just such an important one. Uh, when it comes to this concept, it's, is it just cheating? Is it just having a personal thing? Or are you in fact, you know, having an effect on the children in your household? Are you, you know, there's a lot at play. And I don't, I don't like the fact that it's kind of ignored uh, most of the time. So I want to quickly touch on just the spiritual aspect of cheating and what that essentially means. If you can just, Yes. Give me a very quick summary on that. I can. So just remember spirituality is very broad. Yes. All of us are different. Yes. So in all spiritualities, there's sin. Yes. The heart of sin is that, that sin affects people. Yes. Not that it's dirty. So so that's why for me, mm. infidelity is, is sin in the sense that it's not a private sin. Yeah. It always affects the society. Always. Always. That's the pain. Yeah. What you do in the darkness there will break families, will break other people's hearts. Yeah. Bring people into difficult places. Yeah. It's not an individual personal thing. It isn't. And if there's somebody out there right now who's listening, who's saying, listen, yo, Louis and Lebang, you guys are going on and on just judging me. You don't know my situation. You don't know how upset I am. You don't know how miserable I've been in this 20 year marriage. I need to go. What advice would you give to that person? To take time, um, to invest time and energy to talk to someone that can really understand, help you understand what why are you there why you choose to be there um is it love is it codependency is it um because you believe you don't deserve any better yeah just invest in the process for yourself for yourself to do something yes to do something i think that's the biggest takeaway from today's conversation is that find it in you to figure out why you're having these thoughts why you're doing these things and how you got here and if you can figure that out hopefully the person that you're with will be willing to still hold your hand through the journey of healing and getting through it and past it. Absolutely. I love that. But sometimes through a, through a fair process, couples sometimes discover that the marriage has ended. Sure. They got married at, at 20. Yeah. They had a type of attachment of saving each other. Yeah. Now they're 40. They have different people. Exactly. And, and, and after a, holy, a process of wholeness and discovery, mm. they go like, let's part ways and say, it brought us this far. Yes. And it's okay. And it's okay. Yes. But it's a beautiful process. It's a beautiful process. It's like, sorry, forgive me. I yes. Forgive and I still, I still love you. I, I still care you. about it's you. It's mm. story. Mm. But it's not a divorce and a, mm. and a, and a breaking of character. It's mm. a few people agreeing to that understanding of the complexity of their relationship. For sure. And for the sure. attachments that's formed. For sure. Yeah. Louis Fenter, thank you so much for your time. Um, you've really shed a lot of light on this topic today. I would definitely love to bring you back uh, soon just so we can go a step further with regards to the healing side of it and really how some of uh, the listeners of the show can also p- perhaps, you know, apply these things in their own lives if they need to. So thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. One last sentence. Absolutely. So I think the thing, the big thing of trauma infidelity is we don't know what to do. Yeah. Once we know what to do. Yes. Pain, yes. It breaks down the barrier and we can climb the mountain. Yes. Sure. So if you don't know what to do, you heard it here first. Figure it out. It's an inward 
self-effacing thing. It's really just a personal thing that really shouldn't shouldn't be that difficult to do. If step one, you can identify that something's wrong, then you're on the right path. Thank you so much for listening to Life with Lebang. It has been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you. I will be back next week. And you, of course, can find this podcast, hashtag Life with Lebang, on cliffcentral.com. Have a beautiful day. And remember, you are love. Cliffcentral.com